Hine e Hine will be one of the distinctively Kiwi moments during this afternoon's Queen Elizabeth II State Memorial Service. Organisers across government departments have had two weeks to confirm the official guest list and rehearse with speakers and the dozens of musicians and singers taking part in the service at the Cathedral of St Paul's in Wellington. A large procession of dignitaries must be in position before the minute of silence at two o'clock, which begins the hour-long formal proceedings of karakia, hymns and prayers, readings and a proclamation. At the heart of this logistical challenge is Ruth Delaney, the main organiser from the Department of Internal Affairs, Visits and Ceremonial Office team, and Rachel Hayward, Acting Secretary of the Cabinet Clerk of the Executive Council, who, as it happens, was the first person in New Zealand to hear of the Queen's death. One of the protocols we had in place is that the contact would come to the person in, in the position that I'm in, the Secretary of the Cabinet. Uh, and I had been up a fair bit in the night because I'd seen the news that the palace had released a statement saying that the Queen was under medical supervision. So I was actually, I'd given up and decided, look, I'll just go into work. So I was actually driving down to work when the phone rang and um, I thought, well, this this will be it. It was half past four-ish in the morning. And I was surprised how sad I was, actually, with all the planning. Ruth and I have probably thought about this event more than a lot of people in New Zealand. Uh, but for all of that, actually, in that moment, I felt really sad that sense that a lot of people have reflected on of that the Queen's been a constant. In my life, she's been the only sovereign we've had. And she'd been working right up until the day before, which I just think is extraordinary. But also that sudden realisation of this is the death of a, of a loved person. So, um, you know, all of that kind of went through my head and it, it took me slightly by surprise, I have to say. I had quite a picture when I think it was revealed that the Prime Minister was told by... The police officer going to her room. (laughs) Who told you, can I ask? Uh, It was a contact at Buckingham Palace. So um, we have a a good relationship with the palace and so it was somebody there. Um, Yes, and then it was me who called the police officer and said, could you wake the PM? So, and yes, the PM has described having that torch shone in her face and waking up to think, you know, the Queen's died. So yes, my role was then to contact uh, the Prime Minister and the Governor-General and let them know and then set our, our planning in motion. Well, Rachel mentioned, Ruth, that you two have had conversations about this, as indeed did the Queen and and her team. We knew the moment would come. We've been actively planning for at least two and a half years now. I remember I I wrote the the plan for this during the first lockdown, so that gives you an idea of how, when we started to get really serious about it. And what are the first steps, what are the first things you have to think about? I mean, you don't have a date, so you can't start booking anything, but what are the... I guess it's the aspects, the feeling, the the sentiment. I think for us it was um, that recognition that this service is about the Queen of New Zealand and that sense that we want it to represent the Queen's relationship with New Zealand and the realm of New Zealand. So those are the kind of elements we've thought about, isn't it? How we can capture uh, representing the countries of the realm, Mm. uh, the Māori Crown relationship, her relationship with the New Zealand Defence Force, and then having a place for it and the Wellington Cathedral of St Paul is a place that the Queen had a strong connection with. She laid the foundation stone there in 1954 um, and they've been fabulous to work with. So oh, extraordinary. We've all had all those pieces in play that we knew we would, we would need regardless of the timing. Mm. So we've had a lot of conversations over that period you know, on a theoretical basis. We can't say when, but when it happens, can you do this and can we think about this? Mm. So do you have like a draft guest list? Is it like a wedding list? You know, well, you have those you'd like to be there? It is a little bit, but I mean we've had the advantage, if I can call it that, um, that we've effectively had almost two dress rehearsals for this in the recent times. The Duke of Edinburgh um, left us uh, April last year and we immediately had to do a service for him. 
Uh, and then we were able to celebrate the Queen's Jubilee uh, in June this year. And on both occasions, um, as it happened again, because of the strong connection with the church, those were both held at St Paul's uh, and involved some of the same people. And certainly in terms of the guest list, there was a lot of commonality with what we're, um, the people we're inviting now. So that helped a lot. So I haven't received my invitation, just saying, ladies, <laughs> but, but who, was, who was on the guest list? Who, who, who must be invited, even if they can't be there? Well, there's um, former governors-general, uh, former prime ministers, um, those sort of dignitaries, the representatives of the realm uh, of New Zealand, so Cooks, Nui and Tokelau. There'll be senior Māori leaders present. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we invited all mayors, all MPs, um, but we've also been really keen to make sure that it goes wider than that. So, for example, the, the, um, the interests of the Queen in New Zealand have been reflected with some of her patronages, for example, and we've been also very keen to have youth involved. So schools, colleges in Wellington have been invited to send representatives. Um, that's been a constant in all of our guest lists because we really do want to involve people at all levels. Ruth, logistically, because mm. this is what got me thinking about this, how, how are you making this work? You know, seating, we talked about guest lists, there's security, I imagine, also the order of service, making sure everybody knows what they're doing at what time. It will run like clockwork, I know that. Um, but, you know, what, what are the logistics? What's been keeping you up at night? Oh, gosh. I mean, little things, lots and lots of little things. There's an extraordinary amount of detail. I think the first thing to say is that it's very much a team effort, um, not just my team, which is the Visits and Ceremonial Office, but obviously we work very closely with Cabinet Office and other branches of government, uh, the New Zealand Defence Force, uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade are involved, Ministry for Culture and Heritage. You know, there's so many people who you wouldn't credit, but they're all in there involved. Police is another area that we spend a lot of time working with on a security angle. So, um, and media too, I guess, because yeah, it's absolutely. been filmed and recorded, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're absolutely delighted that TV3 have come on board as our host broadcast. That's really crucial, again, because we want this to be available to as many New Zealanders as possible. So, But in terms of the detail, I remember having a conversation this morning. Is At one point, we're going to um, ask some representatives from the patronages and from um, also the realm countries to light a candle each in, in remembrance. And I suddenly thought in the middle of the night, how are they going to light it? We could have lighter or matches or... Yeah, so we've sorted that one out. But that's the sort of level of detail you, you actually have to be thinking about. You've got to have a special kind of brain, Ruth, for that <laughs> kind of detail thinking. Ruth has that brain. <laughs> <laughs> the Queen's Collar. What can you tell me about it, Rachel? Um, so the Sovereign's Collar, uh, which actually I'm carrying into the service, it's the New Zealand Order of Merit Collar. Um, it's sort of hard. I think we'll have a photo of it on your website, I hope. It represents the New Zealand Order of Merit, which is our um, one of our orders, honours orders. So it's the collar that the Sovereign would wear at important state occasions or uh, at investitures, and that um, will be handed on to be worn by the King next. But yes, we carry that in during the service and it'll be placed up the front. It's composed of links of the central medallion of, of the badge and a gold koru in the form of a letter S. And it's got a representation of the New Zealand coat of arms from which the badge of the Order of the New Zealand Order of Merit hangs. So this collar is only worn by the Sovereign. Actually, for people, if people have seen photos of um, the Governor-General, Dame Cindy Kiro, doing investitures, she wears the Chancellor's collar. So slightly like a, mm. the, the shape of a mayoral chain, it hangs in that same way. We mentioned before that you want this to be seen, Ruth. So mm. there, there will be big screen in Parliament grounds. Well, are you hoping for a good turnout? Cause, you know, would, and would you be surprised if there wasn't one? Um, look, we really don't know um, because 70 years since anybody's done this and, of course, 70 years ago um, was a very different environment. We know that for the 
the proclamation ceremony on that occasion, a lot of people turned out. But we have media these days that means they don't need to or they don't feel they need to. So, you know, we really just don't know. But we would love to see lots of people there. And it is looking like it'll be a fine day. So You, you say the screening will go ahead, rain or shine? Absolutely or well, no. I mean, that, <laughs> Howling winds. <laughs> Welcome to Wellington. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, look, that's that's the situation. Uh, it's not something we can offer an indoor option for. So we just hope that even if the weather isn't perfect, people um, do feel they can come down. And it's it's the sort of occasion, I think, that, you know, you were there, you, you um, were sharing it with other people. I think that's the sort of thing that's happened actually all across the last couple of weeks is that people actually want to do this together in person rather than necessarily just watching it on television. And that was, uh, we felt the same about the proclamation of accession ceremony. We were delighted with the turnout. Mm. But I think Ruth's comment, this does seem to be an occasion people want to sort of share in community. And of course, um, the service will start with the National Minute of Silence at two, which, you know, we hope will be a kind of a linking thing across the country that people, whatever they're doing, can can join in Mm. observing and reflecting for that minute. Slightly different scale, but we know in uh, in London there were midnight practices, practices throughout the night for mm. the funeral. Can you practice something like this, Ruth? Um, look, there could definitely be rehearsals, yes, over the weekend and indeed on the Monday morning itself. Do you have like a dress rehearsal? Where oh, absolutely. Do, from, oh, right, yeah. from start to finish. Uh, we, we, particularly when you've got something like the minute of um, silence there, we, we've got to hit that. Um, that's really important because it then gets shared with all New Zealanders. But there's a lot of moving parts, and if you don't rehearse, you're just asking for trouble, basically. So, yes. I saw, and I did wonder at the time whether there would be a lone piper, because that was a very big part Mm. of events in the UK, and there's nothing quite so stirring Mm. as a lone piper. So was that always going to be part of the Order of Service? We're absolutely delighted that we are actually going to have a lone piper. This is Sergeant uh, Murray Mansfield, who's going to be playing a lament called My Home. I don't know it myself, but I'm looking forward to hearing it. And for you, you'll be in those rehearsals, Rachel. But, I mean, being part of this, just for you personally for one moment, what, how are you feeling about it? Oh, for me, um, it has felt an enormous privilege, really has. I was saying to someone the other day, I hadn't realised having a small part in New Zealand history would be so tiring. Um, but, but, you know, it's such a constitutionally significant thing. It's historically significant. And the main thing that the team and I have tried to keep doing is stopping to remember that. It's easy to get caught up in the kind of the hurly-burly, but we have all tried to just take moments where we stop to acknowledge the significance of what we're doing and the privilege of, you know, working in a place like the Beehive at a time like this. It's been an extraordinary experience, mm, hasn't it? Very much so. Mm-hmm. You know, I echo those sentiments entirely. There have been protests in Australia on the Memorial Day. Do you have to, as part of your logistics, because you're working with police, Mm. that could be part of it, Parliament Grounds, of course, not so long ago. Mm. Very different looking place today to they are now when they're back to their beautiful greenery. But, I mean, is that something you have to factor in as well? It is. I mean, we're always very mindful of the fact that New Zealanders have a right to protest. Um, and that we support their right to protest peacefully. I think when it becomes disruptive, um, that's another matter, and we sincerely hope that people will respect the occasion, particularly on, on this occasion, because it is it is a solemn moment. It's it's important to a lot of people, and it would be a shame if um, if it was disrupted. We you know we're prepared for eventualities, but we really hope it won't happen. What are some of the other aspects? We won't do the whole go through the whole <laughs> order of of service, but what are some of the the key moments, do you think, or, or give us a feeling for the variety? Because it's about an hour, isn't it? Mm. You're packing a lot in, I'd have to say, looking at it. 
We are. I mean, for me, I think some of the choral works that we're going to hear um, are lovely. We've got Voices New Zealand Choir involved as well, of course, as the the um, choir of the cathedral um, of St Paul's. And those acoustics are stunning. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's when the, the cathedral really comes into its own. So I'm absolutely looking forward to that. And they're playing... Uh, they're going to sing some pieces which have a particular resonance for New Zealand, so I think that's going to be quite affecting. Mm. It's very, we're really keen that this is a New Zealand service for a New Zealand queen. So, yeah, hymns in um, Te Reo Māori, but also there are some elements of the service that will connect through to the queen on quite a personal level. Mm. So um, Psalm 23, I think, is yes. one of the hymns that will be sung, and that was sung at her wedding and, of course, at the funeral. Mm. So the Prime Minister will give a reading. Uh, and that's from an account of uh, the end of the first visit of the new Queen and uh, the Duke of Edinburgh to New Zealand. And then the Governor-General will reflect on uh, the Queen's life and service. Um, so, yeah, there are some connections in that way too. Uh, Ruth Delaney and Rachel Hayward, two of the linchpins of today's state memorial service, starting at 2 o'clock at the Cathedral of St Paul in Te Whanganuia, Tara Wellington. Those not on the guest list will be able to hear the service on RNZ, watch it on News Hub, or see it on the big screen on Parliament Grounds.